Chapter Nine of In the Footprints of the Padres by Charles Warren Stoddard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: An Affair of the Misty City. Four by the World Forgot. For a long while he had been listening to the moan of the sea, the wail and the warning that rise from every reef in that wild waste of waters. There was no moon, but the large stars cast each a wake upon the wave, and the distant surf lines were faintly illuminated by a phosphorescent glow. There were reefs on every hand, and treacherous currents that would have imperiled the ribs of any craft depending on the winds alone for its salvation but the wearing its pulse of steam throbbing with a slow measured beat picked its way in the glimmering night with a confidence that made light of dangers past present and to come it had struck eight bells forward midnight the air was warm moist caressing it stole forth from invisible but not far distant veils laden with the unmistakable odour of the land a fragrance that was at times faint enough but at other times was almost overwhelming from the heart of the tropics only as such perfume distilled few who inhale it for the first time can resist its subtle charm its influence once yielded to the soul is soon enslaved and the dreams that follow are never to be forgotten eight bells and silence broken only by the swish of the propeller as it ploughed slowly deliberately through the sea the slap of the ripples under the prow and an occasional harp-like sigh of the zephyr in the softly vibrating shrouds paul clitheroe had stolen out of the cabin and was sitting by the companionway on the port side a small ladder still hung there for there had been boating and bathing just before dinner and there was sure to be more or less fishing whenever the weather was favourable moreover it must be acknowledged that the yacht was liberty hall afloat yes adrift on a go-as-you-please cruise and things were not always in ship shape an old half-breed trader who knew these seas as the stargazer knows the skies was in the wheelhouse every wakeful eye among officers and crew was at the prow peering into the depths in search of danger signals every ear was listening intently for an order from the lips of the pilot and for the first whisper of the wave upon the reef meanwhile the vessel crept forward with utmost caution barely ruffling the water under her keel one bell two bells clitheroe had for a long time been sitting unobserved by the companionway he had dined with a riotous company and withdrew as soon after dinner as possible this privilege was freely accorded him for he was at intervals gloomy or silent and his companions were quite willing to dispense with his society hilarity had ceased for the night the fact was patent the truth is there was apt to be something too much of it aboard that ship when a young gentleman on the death of a distant relative comes suddenly into an almost fabulous fortune he is apt to set about doing that which pleases him best in all probability he overdoes it if he be fond of any society and is willing to pay for the purchase of it he will find no difficulty in supplying himself even to the verge of satiety 
a certain gentleman who shall be nameless in these pages but who came to be known among his followers as the commodore finding himself heir to a fortune chartered a yacht for a summer cruise and invited his friends to join him the yacht had been for some weeks the scene of unceasing festivity the joyous party on board her had passed from island to island the fated guests of kings and queens and dusky chiefs feasting dancing and the exchange of gifts these were the order of entertainment night and day it was a novel life for most who were on board filled with adventure and spectacular surprises the commodore's hospitality was boundless the appetites of his guests insatiable but clitheroe had seen all this from quite another point of view he had been a native among the natives admitted into brotherhood with the tribe he had lived the life they led until it had become as natural to him as if he had been born to it their thoughts were his thoughts their tongue his tongue he was thinking of this as he sat by the companionway in the silence unobserved three bells he rose and going to the open transom looked down into the cabin the long dinner-table had been relieved of dessert dishes but the after-dinner bottles were there in profusion and cigar-boxes and cigarettes within convenient reach it was an odd scene a picture of confusion in a dead calm the lights were burning low and there was no sound save the hoarse breathing of some of the revellers who had subsided into uncomfortable positions and were too heavy with sleep to seek easier ones clitheroe saw at the head of the table the commodore stretched back in his easy chair he was fast asleep there was no doubt about that his guests one and all were dozing the drowsy stupor that follows a debauch pervaded the whole company i ventured the assurance that not one person present could have been aroused in season to save himself or herself had the ship at that moment struck a reef and foundered there they were dimly outlined under the cabin lamps the companions with whom for a season clitheroe had been more or less intimately associated in the misty city the bohemians who had found it an easy and pleasant thing to flock upon the deck of the waring one foggy afternoon and set sail on a summer cruise the commodore invited them for his entertainment and because he was a mighty good fellow and could afford to they went for a change of air and scene in search of adventure and moreover they were sure of luxurious hospitality for at least six months clitheroe joined the company not only for the reason that there seemed nothing else for him to do but he was glad of the opportunity of revisiting a quarter of the globe so very dear to him this voyage he thought might reawaken his interest in life at any rate he could lose nothing by taking it and that settled the question for him the singers the dancers the painters and poets made life very lively in that summer sea it was a case of sweet idleness with wine women and wits and all the world before them where to choose it must be confessed that clitheroe had enjoyed himself in the society of these old comrades you would recognize most of them were he to name them but to-night or rather this early morning he had begun to moralize as he peered down the transom upon the half-shadowy forms of those feasters who had fallen by the way he was asking himself if it paid 
this high-pressure happiness that knew no respite save temporary insensibility he began to think that it did not and with a shrug of his shoulders and a faint sigh he turned away he was about to resume his solitary watch for he could not sleep on such a night when his eye was attracted by a flitting shadow weaving to and fro astern it seemed to be soaring upon the face of the waters was it some broad-winged sea-bird following in their wake he watched it as it drew near growing larger and larger every moment no it was not a bird but it was the next thing to one out of the darkness was evolved the slender hull of a canoe the wide many-ribbed sail and the dusky forms of three naked islanders they had not yet taken note of him with a sudden impulse he stole up to the transom and standing over it so that the lights from the cabin lamps shone full upon him he waved a signal to the savages enjoining silence and bidding them approach with caution in a few moments they had wafted themselves noiselessly up under the companion ladder and there with suppressed excitement he was recognized old friends these pals in the past young chiefs from an island he had loved and mourned there was a moment of passionate greeting and but a moment in the silence under the stars then with a sudden resolve and with never a glance backward clitheroe descending the ladder entered the canoe and it swung off into the night two hours later the waring having run clear of the labyrinthine reefs steamed up and was out of sight before daybreak and what is left dust and ash and a tail or not even a tail marcus aurelius end of chapter nine part four end of in the footprints of the padres